I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. In just a few minutes, you'll hear from Chris Singletary, who is a member of our rankings council at 24-7 Sports, a national recruiting analyst with a bunch of Power 5 experience in recruiting offices. And he will give us a bit of a breakdown on how 24-7 Sports reached its final 32 five-stars, which for the first time, Sean, in 24-7 Sports existence, features three Penn State Nittany Lions, Drew Aller at number three, where he was before Nick Singleton up a little bit from 20 to 18. Both of those players remain the number one players at their position. And then denied Dennis Sutton goes from outside, outside the top 90 to inside the top 30. He is at 27. He is the third five-star Sean, your two-year mission to make DDS a five-star has come to fruition. Uh, I know you're happy about the results. I know you think it were, was warranted. Um, and James Franklin coming off of an 11, 11 stretch that a lot of people are very disappointed with brings in quite the haul further confirmed by our analysis at the site. Yeah. And it's funny you, you say that in jest. I'm a big fan of deny Dennis Sutton always have been. Um, and this was not one that I pushed on at all. Cause he simply went down there to San Antonio and guys were buzzing about him coming out of San Antonio. Then he went to the Polynesian bowl, back that up um, just being around him. Like not just like the, all the great stuff that we say about him off the field is one thing, but just being around him and his physical presence is something that you have to take notice of. And it's six, five two fifty five or whatever he's hovering around right now. You you got to notice this guy. And eventually he came through against some of the best high school competition in the country and made that big jump. We have in the nineties and, and he went up uh, all the way to number 27. He's actually the highest rated prospect in the 24 seven sports composite rankings. Now um, at number 28, overall, those three guys are, are certainly are, are bunched up in there. He's number 28. It's kind of a flip. Uh, they, they flip it from 24 seven to this, to the composite rankings because singleton's in the middle at number 30. And then drew Aller is at number 30 one as the uh one of the final five stars in there so yeah penn state three five star prospects it, it happened in the composite back in 2018 uh we don't like to talk about that somehow but parsons somehow, yeah. justin shorter <laughs> yeah well it was funny because we, we, everybody's always says that ricky slade five star bus ricky slade was only a five star in the composite which defied everything uh except math apparently which obviously we don't get around here he was in the 60s for us which obviously is still high in hindsight but uh yeah i mean that's uh that's a good close for penn state um you've got a guy that can come in right away in Nick Singleton, I think, uh, shake some things up in the running back room. You've got a guy in a position of need, huge need uh, on the edge there at Deny Dennis Sutton. And you've got what you hope, if you're Penn State, is your quarterback of the future. And finally, that guy that can get this program over the hump from a quarterback standpoint. But all those things we will see, as we just talked about a second ago, nothing guaranteed. Those uh, ratings will go away quickly as uh, two of them are already on campus and they're no longer five-star prospects. They are now freshmen at Penn State. Yeah, according to 24-7 Sports, QB1 and uh, all of this college football recruiting class is currently here in State College uh, as a Penn State student-athlete. you got to feel great about that if you're Mike Yurcich, James Franklin, a Penn State fan. Um, of course, there's a lot more dynamics that go to that quarterback room that we've discussed and we'll continue to discuss. Uh, but but that's step one of the list is getting that guy in your classrooms, in your weight rooms. And they got that with Drew Aller, who you mentioned it. There's a differing opinion on this quarterback class really across the industry. You go site to site, check out who they have in those QB rankings there's a reason that that drew is 31 composite um you know this is not a slam dunk number one consensus kind of quarterback conversation so it'll be something that's kind of poked and prodded you throw in the fact that quinn ewers was supposed to be a part of this class he ends up at ohio state early and, and now down at with the texas longhorns and uh, we'll find out a lot of moving parts with this group and and i thought it was interesting one of the first moves uh that that mike yesterday made along with offering drew aller was offering uh Cade Klubnick, who you know went off down in Texas? He was a Texas high school standout again this year as a senior, committed to Clemson. So Mike Yurcich, those early evaluations for him last January uh, when they were kind of reshuffling the quarterback board with Bo Prabula on already committed to the class. Those guys ended up ascending toward the top of the rankings, and I know there was a lot of people trying to make the case that the Clemson commit should leapfrog Drew Adler down the stretch. It doesn't happen in our rankings. 
and you get that trio of five-star, Sean. But outside of that, nine total players from this Penn State Hall land inside the top 24-7, and that's not including the four-star junior college offensive lineman, J.B. Nelson, who's already on campus. And going back to that 2018 class while we're still on quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence was the number one by 24-7 in 2018. Spencer, Spencer Rattler there in 2019. Bryce Young in 2020. And then 2021 is interesting because it was Caleb Williams. And then uh, Quinn Ewers went back and was actually rated uh, above them. Although that's kind of a, you know, the situation that with, with him reclassifying and everything kind of mucks that up a little bit. Um, but yeah, you've got that, you've got that situation where you've got these, all these guys on campus. Now the the nine guys, and then the transfer Mitchell Tinsley on campus now. And, and, and like I said, they're freshmen. So there's, there's no sure thing there for anybody. Um, I think that that gets, uh, you know, we, we get stuck in our ways sometimes when we're ranking these kids and think that this is, uh, this is something different than it actually is. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it's going to be a long couple of years for these guys. There's still development to be had. I think that's the one thing that I love of, um, you know, and we'll talk about it with Chris Singletary a little bit, that there's still development to be had for some of these five stars. Nick Singleton, as we mentioned on the podcast earlier this week, is is he came in as a freak athlete, strong guy, you know, high floor guy. But Drew still looks like a 13 year old kid and deny did not play as a junior and was limited a little bit by an injury as a senior. So I think there's still growth for these guys that, uh, you know, are coming in and, and have an opportunity not only to play early, but to also get a lot better during their career at Penn State. Yeah, and as you'll hear from, from Chris Singletary momentarily, it's you're, you're not really applying the five-star label to the 17, 18-year-old standing in front of you on the field. You're applying that five-star label to what you think that young man is going to look like at 21, 22 years old when they're impacting high-level college football programs and preparing to enter the NFL draft. And that's really what you're judged on in this industry. Who comes out the other side of college football uh, still with that kind of five-star buzz around them and Unfortunately, we see for a lot of guys that fizzles out very fast. We'll see how it turns out for Penn State. Beyond that trio, Sean, you've got Caden Saunders. Uh, actually got bumped up a little bit himself from a 94 to a 95 rating. He's number 76 overall, number 12 receiver. Drew Shelton, number 156 overall, number 14 offensive tackle. Cam Miller, the number 23 cornerback. He's at number 158 overall. Running back Katron Allen, who's also on campus with Nick Singleton in that running back room now, number 15 at that position, number 176 overall. And by the way, Sean, three out of the last four cycles now, Penn State signing two top 24-7 running back prospects. Uh, Anthony Ivey, uh, number 29 receiver, number 166 overall. And then rounding out this group in the top 24-7 is Makai Flowers. We still have him labeled as an athlete on the on 24-7 sports. Um, they introduced him as a defensive back, did Penn State on signing day. Uh, talked about safety as a projected landing spot, but but during signing day conversations, uh, they would not rule out the possibility of reps at receiver for Makai Flowers. Uh, he is at number 13 among athletes, number 241 overall. There's some other four stars that are outside of it, but nine guys inside and three in that upper echelon. Again, we talked about it a lot. The way that Penn State was able to keep this class intact through the speculation about James Franklin's future through a you know mid-season to late-season meltdown that took place, at least in the loss column, they get to the end of this thing, and and they provide plenty of reasons for optimism. I know it's kind of a cynical crowd right now among the Nittany Lions fans, and check some of the Facebook comments that are responding to these big five-star announcements yesterday, and people aren't do really that. ready to throw a parade. Yeah, don't do that. Don't, um, don't so do that. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's, there's plenty to prove for this class and for the coaching staff that's going to work with them. But I think you got to take your hat off once again uh, that the Nittany Lions and, and you know, through a, a very tumultuous cycle for them, as it turned out, um, able to get these guys on board. And, and you think, you know, you can clearly see what our rankings council thinks of this group, putting it up there with just about anyone in the country. And, and you see Penn State on these lists and college football contender, college football contenders. Is this the kind of class that can push Penn State toward that group in the next two, three, four years? Yeah, and the, and the top looks great. It's a, it's about the middle of the class, really, when you're building out your roster and you're trying to figure out where you can get not only stars but contributors. Um, and I think this class right in the middle there is is kind of the strength here. Is, is you got uh, guys that you look like, you know, and the plenty of development ahead. It's it's the coaching staff's job to develop these guys and try and figure out, um, you know, where they can maximize their potential there. Um, so that lies ahead. And I know, as you mentioned, there's a bit of cynicism about that right now, but still, I think there's some real players in the middle of this class. I, I will say, just looking at the at the rankings, I think you can make some the uh, change. I don't want to say changes, but you can debate. Uh, you know, some guys that could be in, some guys that could be out. I look at two guys like Abdul Carter and KJ Winston and think maybe for these guys, for me, um, they are 
top two, four, seven guys, but you know, that's, uh, that's certainly, we're not the ones making the calling the shots here. Um, but you still are encouraged that you can throw more guys into that argument. And, and I think we'll continue to talk about these guys, you know, for the next couple of years. Someone who stands out to me and I've mentioned him before, just because we, we don't really have the book on him right now is Jerry Cross. He was at one point in that top 24, seven, I think I mentioned this on a, on a recent episode. I think three total games played as an upperclassman. If you thought Denai Dennis Sutton's you know sample size was short as an upperclassman, check out Jerry Cross, who completely changed physically. He remains a four-star, Sean, but he's another guy that I'll be really curious to see because he could play into a top 24-7 kind of talent pretty quickly over the next couple of years if things come together for him. Um, yeah, while, while, you're on, while, yeah, well, yeah, while you're on cross, I, I, I did talk yeah. to another college coach that, that recruited him this week and not Penn State, um, but I was like, is this kid good? Like I, I have, <laughs> right. I, I don't want to say I have my doubts, but you, you, there's so little information out there. And, you know, for, for, for his tape, it was him running around as a, as a flex tight end uh, or even a, just a, a glorified receiver at 215 pounds or whatever. Now he's too close to 260. So like, you have no idea what to expect with Jerry cross. And he said, yeah, he's really good. Um, and I'll take, okay, I'll take your word for it. You, probably get paid more than I do, uh, you know, to scout these kids. And, and I say that in jest because he's a college football coach. He definitely gets paid more than a sports writer. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's one of those things where you, you just don't know. And I think that that's, that's pretty cool. You know, you don't get that a lot anymore. And, you know, as, as scouting during the pandemic was, was no sure thing. Uh, and we'll see if Penn state, and we'll see how good their talent identification is with some of these guys, the, the Jerry crosses, the Amari Evans, who's a high school quarterback that, you know, obviously it's got some speed, but what is he at the next level? Tyler Johnson playing where he plays there's a lot of questions that you know we won't know answers for for the next three or four and until the next three or four years but i think that's you know one of the things that keeps us coming back yeah and then in the next three or four months the feedback will will, will start flowing regarding this freshman class and we'll get some looks at them during spring ball and we can start to piece things together a bit more and projecting how they may impact things here in 2022. But I think it's pretty clear. You look at the roster, you look at the lack of action uh, incoming for the transfer portal. This freshman class is going to need to play a significant role in some key areas. We'll see how substantial, how many red shirts ultimately get burned, but they're bringing in a class and they have high hopes for them. We'll, we'll see. And I, that's really all I can say. We'll see. Um, we Enough from us on the subject. We're going to bring in Chris Singletary right now. Um, tremendous background in college football, evaluating talent. He's going to do a lot of that for us right now. Hopefully plenty of you caught our five-star reveal show on 24-7 Sports yesterday. Uh, tremendous success uh, across the board. And Chris Singletary was part of that production, uh, analyzing a bunch of these new five stars. Three of them, uh, Penn State uh, uh, signees now at this point, a couple of them already Penn State freshmen. We're going to get the lowdown on how they decided who was a five-star why deny Dennis Sutton had such a tremendous jump in those rankings. And, and then take a look at a few of the other players that Chris has seen in postseason events, just to lay out the resume a little bit for you. We've spoken to Chris for some articles we've done here at Lions 24-7, have not had him on the podcast yet, but he's a 24-7 sports national recruiting analyst. He oversees our junior college evaluation for the site. He's a former Michigan Wolverines player. Uh, he was on the Michigan Wolverines uh, staff as a recruiting coordinator, as a director of player personnel, also time as a director of recruiting operations in the Pac-12 with Arizona. So it's an impressive resume, and now you understand why there's that Michigan helmet above his head. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, let's just explain that right away. I know Chris was a little worried coming on a Penn State site with that backdrop, but nice to have you on. I know we tried before. Technical difficulties got in the way. Uh, this, this should be a good conversation. We're ready to hear a lot from you. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, I always I will say this: um, playing in the Big Ten, uh, going to State College was always a, a, a fun place to play. The only time it was not fun is when you kept hearing that lion growl because that's when you knew that they were uh, they were up on you guys or winning. But a uh, great atmosphere, great fans. Uh, even visited uh, uh, Happy Valley when I was getting recruited out of high school. So no, uh, it's it's good times up that way. Chris, while you said that, why, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us about your recruiting visit? I don't know how much you remember. I know it's been a long time. Uh, you, you're not as as young as you look, and I think I mean that in the best way possible. But Thank how was how what was it like being recruited by Penn State back in that day? Uh, it was it was unique. You know, at that time, uh, obviously they were were really good, and and the tradition of linebacker U was was prevalent in the, in the in the mid '90s, and so I had an opportunity to be recruited uh, by the staff and visit Happy Valley and. And, and see Mount Nittany and go to uh, and the creamery and all that good stuff and just to meet you know good people it was it was good it was good I really enjoyed it. 
Well, Chris, we've got a lot to break down in these rankings because for the first time in 24-7 sports existence, uh, three different Nittany Lions have been bestowed the five-star status. Uh, we knew Drew Aller was carrying that, Nick Singleton, um, and now Denai Dennis Sutton soars up to be a five-star in these evaluations. Let's start with how you got to the show yesterday. Obviously, over the course of an hour, you laid out why these 32 prospects from across America going to various schools from the FBS to FB FCS level, as it turns out. What was the process of making those decisions like? I know this was your first uh, cycle on board with 24-7 Sports, but how yeah. much went into determining who got that five-star? A ton of uh, a, a ton of information. Um, you know, we have a, a, a rankings council uh, comprised of, of, of 10 guys across the country. And so it's, it's a constant evaluation process. It's a constant document. It's constant looking at different data, whether it's track and field, whether it's just the football field, whether it's the combine data that the guys may attend, uh, getting a chance to see the skill guys in seven on seven, seeing them in the uh, springtime when our guys get opportunity to go by to school and watch them practice with their high school teams. And then it's the game field. And so it's fluid. You know, it's not as that science. It's fluid. Uh, and you're constantly looking at guys that are progressing and getting better. You're also looking at guys that might be more of a, a high floor guy and some guys that still have a lot of growth to reach their ceiling. And so, like I said, it's always fluid. It's always evaluating. The board is always changing. And so from that standpoint, you know, there's never as that science to this and everyone has an opinion and, a, and it's a, a deep conversation and dialogue amongst our staff to get to where we are. One thing that denied did not change. Sutton. Oh, sorry. sorry before we get to the big change, and that was denying Dennis Sutton soaring almost 70 spots. I think people were curious, and we mentioned this on the podcast last week. Would Drew Aller remain the number one overall quarterback in these rankings? He did remain QB1 for 24-7 sports. How heated was the conversation in determining who led the, the list of quarterbacks? And ultimately, why did you on the rankings council collectively stick with Drew in that spot? I don't it's never heated. It's just, it's really a, 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 a strong dialogue about what guys have seen from different guys across the country, what everybody has seen, you know, myself, uh, Gary Brooks and Cooper Patania, and really trying to get a, a, a great overall view of what this young man's body of work looks like. And in that process, you're looking at everything again, you know, elite 11, uh, any combines really in the quarterback, you're really watching that game film. Because highlight films will fool you. And then you're relying on guys that have seen these guys, especially, again, a quarterback who's seen a quarterback throw live. What does their mechanics look like? Uh, what are their body types? How much growth do they have left in the game? Quarterback is a position that's really, really big on the process part. And when I say the process, I'm talking about the processing of the ebb and flows of the game. And so you look last week, for example, when you watched Kansas City play. 13 seconds, automatically, most fans will say, hey, it's over. But when you got a, like, a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he's never going to quit. So ultimately, he's a guy that's resilient. He's going to fight through. And then have the ability to take the game and slow it down in the moment when it's sped up the most to still make those plays. That's what you're trying to find. You're trying to find that. And then adding in what are the physical attributes and then how much growth does he have physically and mentally to be able to take the game to the top level. So hopefully that's that, that's a – that's a good answer for you guys. And, with and Drew specifically, I mean, you, we've got the comparison, which the pro comparisons are, the, there's some different, differing opinions on that, but we, we've got jo a Josh Allen comparison for him. He's 6'5", mm -hmm. he's 230. He can move around a little bit. He can obviously throw the ball, you know, a mile. Um, what, what are some of the intricacies that you're looking for? Because it, as you mentioned, we've seen guys that have come in and throw the ball a mile that, that have not panned out. We've seen guys that have been, you know, uh, ultra, you know, put up uh, these, these ridiculous numbers and, and it hasn't translated to the college game. What about his high school tape? And I know you weren't down in, in San Antonio to see him, unfortunately, but what about his high school tape and all these things that you've, you've scouted translate the best to being a successful college and then eventually pro quarterback. And so you look at, how he's progressed over the years that he's played and you're looking at film from different years. And now you're building basically a book of business, kind of like his resume. And so you're seeing how much more comfortable he is in the pocket. You're seeing how when uh, teams are playing different coverages, how he's able to check out and go where the hot read is. You're seeing uh, that he's not always drilling the ball, that he's throwing with some touch, that he's able to make some plays outside of the pocket and buy some time. And what you can see is in some guys, 
is again on the game field, you can see the game slow down. And when a guy slows down, he has a feel for the game. He's know what's coming pre-snap. And then in the moment and in times when it's time to make the play, he's consistently making the play. That's what you can tell about Drew is that constant progression of the game slowing down. And as he gets more and more reps, he sees different things. And he learns more of the mental part and continue to tighten up his, his physical attributes, his throwing motion. That's where you see the ultimate uh, uh, growth potential and where we like him to potentially, you know, continually to grow and, and become better and better. Drew Aller is already on campus. So is Nicholas Singleton as a freshman running back, Penn State, coming off a real rough season with its rushing attack. What did you guys see from Nick Singleton as a senior specifically that that cemented his spot atop those running back rankings? I think when you look at C Nick Singleton, the one, the only question that we had really was opportunities to catch the ball out the backfield. Um, you see a guy that can run between the tackles. He finds hidden yards. He runs with power. Uh, when he hits the hit edge or he hits the crease, he's able to take it the distance. Uh, it's not always the guys that's hitting the home runs. You want to see a guy, what I call, play real football. And that's getting those three, four, five, six-yard runs and how they're looking. Um, is he always coming out the other side? When I say come out the other side, is he always falling forward? And late in the game, you want a guy that, hey, you know what? We might be milking the clock. We might be trying to just ice the game. Can he carry the load? And then that's something that he can do. And that's something that he did while he was in his high school career. And then I know our guys really were impressed how he caught the ball down in San Antonio. How do you, how do you differentiate uh, a running back from his peers? Because every time you put on a tape of a Division One, you know, Power Five running back, he's going to be the best guy on the field. I mean, ninety five percent of the time. How do you sort of parse the difference between Nick Singleton and the difference between? Uh, George Petaway, you know, a guy that's like top two, four, seven kid that's not a five star prospect. Again, you're looking at now just to highlight, you're looking at the game film and then you're looking at the physical attributes, you know, body type. Can he uh, sustain and be a guy that can carry the ball, you know, 20, 30 times a game? Can he play on third down? You know, you see a lot of times in the NFL now where, hey, <laughs> you know, Giovanni Bernard, he's the third down back. You know, so also this guy, a guy that can stay on the field and in, in, in football, whether it's college or pro, third down is the down that's going to determine wins and losses. You either getting the first down, moving the chains, or you're getting the stop and coming off the field. And so you're looking at a guy that's that 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 does not need to be substituted, but can play third down, pass protection. You're seeing a guy that can protect the quarterback and ask to do the little things, like you just said. A lot of guys can run the ball, but can you play the game? Can you read your blocks or do you just only can ruin daylight? Can you find a hole where there's not a hole to, you know, to, to be seen? Can you jump? Can, can you make people miss? And so all those things, which add up to big things, is when you kind of uh, uh, separate guys from the pack. A defensive lineman denied Dennis Sutton didn't play a lot of high school football the last couple of seasons. Pandemic wiped out his junior year. Injury limited his action as a senior. And then he went down to San Antonio a few weeks ago and, and tore it up uh, at the All-American Bowl uh, during the practice week. We knew he was going to be rising in the rankings. You got the last look at him on a field at the Polynesian Bowl, and you had the unfortunate assignment of having to go out to Honolulu last week and cover that <laughs> event. Uh, <laughs> coming back from that, what were your thoughts on Deny Dennis Sutton, and, and why did it seem like he was such a slam dunk for the rankings council to say, yeah, he's going up 60-plus spots, and we're comfortable saying he's a five-star prospect? I think, again, when you look at his body of work. And so the first thing, obviously, with Deny Dennis Sutton that, that, that catches you is his physical presence. I mean, he is legitimately, physically a grown man. And, and so now you do that, that that immediately catches your eye. And then you couple that with the film that you've been able to watch. And you're saying, OK, we see a lot of positive, positive traits. We see a lot of things that we like. We see the length. We see the being, the flexibility, the ability to play with power. Uh, the ability for him to be a versatile piece where, you know, if, if, if Penn State were ever to go to an eye front, he can play the end. Um, if they, you know, stay in their traditional four down front, he can stay on the edge. He can stand up in the two point. He's comfortable. You have other season with him being a former basketball player. Then you, you, you look at and say, okay, this guy missed a junior year. So he missed a whole year of football. You look at the eight games I believe he played as a senior. And you said, wow, he still has this much more room to grow because he didn't get reps. And so now he goes to, to, the, to, the, to the American game 
with some of the best players in the country, he perform at a high level. So even the things that you saw from a film standpoint on the sample size, they're validated. Okay, now he goes to the other All-Star game, and he validates them again, you know, his ability to chase, uh, his ever-improving ability as a pass rusher. And so you're like, you know what, this is a guy that still has so much room to grow. He's already really good, but as he continues to grow, uh, refine his technique, and with his body type, like I said uh, yesterday, this guy could easily be 270 and be able to play a number of different positions up and down uh, the defensive line. That's where you see that uh, see the rise for uh, for Deny. Is is he the safest prospect of these three? I mean, because he's he's got the physical aspect. Obviously, Nick Singleton's got that as well. You know, Drew Aller's got some some ways to go to to build himself up. He still looks like a, a 13 year old or whatever. But Deny just seems to bring something safer to the table, different to the table. Physically, he's there. Uh, I don't know if you got any time to spend around him off the field. You know, he's, he's the kid's got it together. Um, right. So, I mean, do, do you think even though he's he's the third ranked guy in, in our 24-7 sports rankings among Penn State commits, is there an element of safeness to him as a prospect, do you think? There is. You still have to produce. And so, right. with him, he does, you know, in the evaluation and and all the data that we use and things that we've been able to watch and see, whether it be on film or in person, everything checks out. I would say, though, probably the safest pick of those three would be a guy like Nick Singleton because you have so much uh, data, so much information, so much film to on that you it was maybe one or two things that he needed to answer that he did at the, at the Army All-American Bowl. There maybe were there obviously were a few more things because of lack of playing time for, for denying. And then we already talked about the growth uh, that, that needs to continue to happen for Drew. So I would probably say Nick Singleton would be the one. Singleton, another guy who really impresses you when, when you get face-to-face or on a phone with him. Um, we can pick your brain here on, on a few of these postseason events before you're out in Honolulu, and we have a couple questions on the Polynesian Bowl roster. But at, down at the Under Armour All-America uh, event in Orlando, I know you crossed paths with Sean down there. Caden Saunders is a guy who, who didn't get to the finish line and play in the game. Uh, I know he was banged up over the course of the week, but I saw some of the video evidence, and I know Sean saw some in person. He, he appeared to flash there during some of the early action. What was your impression of Caden Saunders, who, like Singleton and like Aller, he's enrolled on campus as a freshman now? He's very dynamic in the slot. He's very elusive, um, has a nice body tap in terms of being able to be a guy that can sustain the punishment of playing in that position and have some durability. Uh, and really had some good burst, you know, when he was able to, you know, when he caught the ball, he was able to, you know, really get up out of there and create yak yards, um, soft hands. Uh, and he, he did a really good job of running his routes out of the slot and really putting the, the, the safeties and the corners that were guarding him in some different where, you know, he was able to create separation and get over. Um, in, the, in the time that he was able to play before he got injured, he was a, he was a guy that did really well. And uh, I think the fans in, in Happy Valley will really be excited to have him. Uh, having uh, known KJ Hamlin from, from being both from Michigan and from the Detroit area, him being from Pontiac, uh, and knowing how you guys uh, up there, you know, Coach Franklin, his staff utilizes those guys in the slot, I think Caden uh, Saunders will be a really, really good fit uh, for the future up that way. And for that background, Chris has known KJ for a long, long time. Tell me about Caden's high step, because this is uh, an impression that you did for me down in, in uh, at Under Armour. <laughs> you were pretty impressed with the way that he just he step step go. And it's just um, th- those little things that you look for in a in a guy that's quick twitch like that. I mean, what's a what's what does that do to set him apart? When you're able to do, you know, you, he can hit top speed in two steps, and when you have a guy that can do that, he doesn't need much separation. He doesn't need the ball to always be perfect to make a play once he catches it. And that's the thing that you want in what you call a playmaker. And so in short areas and small spaces, because of his elusiveness and his initial burst, now they can really hit it and get it as they call it. And so that's something that's unique. And that's what you want in your playmakers. I wanted you know, to see another guy that, here we are. So <laughs> I don't, yeah. don't look, look, I was never, I, 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 I'm too old for that trick, Sean. You're not giving me on that one. <laughs> 
Hey, Chris, uh, an, another guy down there that Penn State hopes will be a playmaker for them, and he's also on campus already, is Catron Allen. Scored a touchdown that week. I know he was highlighted, uh, I think, by you, actually, or some of the others that were down there as one of the top performers over the course of the week. He's coming in alongside Nick Singleton, so there's a lot of attention being paid elsewhere. Why should attention be paid to Catron Allen at the running back spot? I think when you look at Catron Allen, and, and, and the two backs that, that have, you know, be coming up there to, to Happy Valley, you have a nice one-two punch. Uh, he's a guy that's punishing power runner, uh, tough in between the tackles. Um, you look at his body type, he's a guy that's going to really run through, and he's showing it on his film that he'll run through arm tackles. And he's a guy that is truly one of those bats. The more carries he gets and the more times that he touches the ball, he wears on the defense. And I think, you know, when you look at him, that's what you have. In the wintertime, in the Big Ten, in the fall, you know, sometimes you're not going to be able to throw the ball. You're going to just be able to have to have the, the the attrition to set in on that defense and punish them. And I think, you know, having him matched up with Singleton is what allows you to be able to do that. And, uh, and for Katron, you know, he showed uh, good agility, really good vision. Uh, it's just a matter of staying in tip-top shape so he can be the best that he can be. You also got a chance to get out to the Polynesian Bowl, uh, see Cam Miller and Anthony Ivey. Um, anybody pop up from that? I mean, the Polynesian Bowl, a little bit more um, uh, removed from, I guess, central Pennsylvania, if you will. But uh, Cam Miller seemed to be one of those guys that that turned heads last week. And it was really, I think, our first opportunity to see him outside of maybe Andrew Ivins taking a, taking a look at him down in Florida. So what would you see from Miller? And, of course, your thoughts on Ivey, if you get a chance. Oh, well, Cam Miller, you look at a guy that has really, really good length. You know, he's over six feet. 180 pounds. Uh, he's a guy that's a, a, a mere four or five guy. And so when you look at his initial body type, you're like, okay, yeah, he, he, he's corner is what his position is. But he also has a body type where he can play safety. And then throughout the week, he did a really, really solid job and a good job of, of, of showing who he was as a player, of being able to compete in, in press coverage to, to, to really understand what was asked of him in zone. But I really like his body type, his overall athleticism as a guy that might end up being a safety for, uh, for, for, you know, the Nittany Lions. And then with Ivy, and then with Ivy, you know, he's another guy that could probably, that, that that's more of that slot type body type um, in terms of being able to, to, you know, be able to got to be a skipper and play in the slot along with Kate Saunders. Um, solid job, really good athlete. Uh, didn't have a lot of opportunities in the game in terms of catches, but you saw through, throughout the practices that he's a smooth moving athlete. Uh, uh, a little bit of a short strider uh, will continue to get more consistent with his hands, but has a nice upside and a nice growth, growth potential to his long-term development. And Chris, I'm going to get you out of here on this one personally. Um, last question from me. People are listening to this and they're saying, great, quarterback, running back, receivers, defensive backs, that's awesome. But what about the freaking offensive line? Because people are, are wondering how that's going to get better. So the two names for you, Drew Sheldon, you got a chance to see him down in Orlando. He's the top prospect in Pennsylvania in terms of offensive linemen. Spent some time at IMG Academy, ended up back home. He'll be in Happy Valley later this year. And then J.B. Nelson, who has enrolled. You, again, oversee our junior college rankings, and he had a, a bump from an 88 rating to a 90 rating back in December. That put him in four-star territory. He's the number three overall junior college prospect. Brings some significant eligibility to Penn State. Two different prospects here, different points in their college careers, but can you can you address each of them? I think when you look at it's, it's the press, it's the length, it's the size, tremendous wingspan. He's a guy that could play, uh, when you watch him, in my opinion, uh, that could easily play the left or the right tackle. Uh, he plays with uh, a physicality and some and some, some meanness to him. Uh, really good athlete. He's able to get up on the second level and, and, and take out linebackers. Uh, he will continue to refine his pass protection. But he's a guy that, that, that immediately in the run game, that is somebody that, that will set it um, and has a you know good flexibility, and then when his limp and his wingspan, when he punches a guy and lock him out, is something that where he can not control the blocker and he can control the game, you know. But but the big thing for for him that was really exciting for me was when you see a big man that's athletic, that's moving, that's light on his feet, and as he will come there and continually gets coached up and refine his technique and improve his technique, those are the things that really really uh, had him propel of the rankings because you see he has so much room for growth and development, but you see a lot of it in film 
where it's just more coaching that he needs, you know. And I think, uh, you know, you guys would be excited about him and, and have really good tradition of, of offensive linemen coming out of there. And I could see him, you know, being a guy that eventually have an opportunity to play on Sunday. And then when you get to Drew Shelton, go ahead. I was just going to say it, and then Drew Shelton, if you don't mind. Yeah. And so Drew, he's a little bit more raw and he's a little bit more more technical development. But again, the body type, the athleticism, he's a guy that's very, very, you know, sits for um, 290 pounds of 35 inch wingspan. You see everything you need to see athletically. You know, he's agile. He can get up on that linebacker. And when I say just get to the second level and just hit a guy, but get to the second level, latch on to a linebacker and stay on your feet. That's when you know you have some guys that really are 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 unique to the position. I also think Drew could be a guy that that could bump in and play either guard spot. And so now he has the weight, the girth, and the and the lower body to be able to anchor in pass protection and not get blown up, and then also be able to root guys up out of there and create some running lanes for the for the running backs. Well, Chris, that's it for me. I, Sean, I think you're good, too. Uh, we, we, we we asked you for 15 minutes. We kept you for almost 25. That's the way we work around here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Chris, we really appreciate it. And, again, great job on the show yesterday with the five-star Thank rebuild. You. Uh, you can follow appreciate Chris Singletary's work um, across the 24-7 network as he gets settled in as a national recruiting analyst with here. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. You may have heard there a few connection issues with Chris, um, but hopefully you enjoyed the content. There were a couple spots there where it may have been a little bit difficult to interpret the audio. Um, try to do our, our best around that and, and very appreciative of, of Chris Singletary. Won't be his last time on the podcast. And he gave us 20 plus minutes on a bunch of Penn State names to know. So very, very thankful for that, Sean. Yeah, definitely. Chris, uh, I got a chance to hang out with Chris down in Orlando, as we mentioned on, during the interview. Uh, very complimentary of, of this staff and these kids that they're bringing in. Big fan of, of KJ Hamler, big fan of some of these other guys, Nick Singleton especially. He's a, I don't know if you could pick it up. He's one of the driving forces behind Nick Singleton being the number one running back prospect in the country. Um, so there's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot going on, even though he is a Michigan guy. We won't hold that against him, uh, but he did a, did a great job in breaking down some of the guys in this class. Uh, looking ahead here a bit, we've spent a lot of time focused on the 2023 class because they're stepping up into the spotlight. They're making their campus visits, but we're not quite done with the 2022 cycle just yet. Mr. Fitz signing day, as we used to know it just around the corner on Wednesday and what a difference the early signing period has made for, for what this one means at this stage yet. There's a, some bigger fish out in the pond and for Penn state uh, there's an official visitor coming to campus here late and it could impact that class. There's a six foot four inch, 320 pound of uh, fish out there in the pond. <laughs> Vega Ione is going to come in for an official visit. Uh, this is a guy that was committed to Washington for for about six months. Of course, they had the change out there. Jimmy Lake is out. Um, uh, Kalen DeBoer is in. Uh, he took an official visit to Washington last weekend. I'll be honest with you. I thought he would re-pull the trigger. Um, you know, Washington kept its offensive line coach, which was certainly a big deal in his recruitment. Um, but, uh, or retained him, I'm sorry, retained his offensive line coach. Um, so he's, he's going to come in this weekend, check things out. He's down to, uh, get, get this one, Washington, Minnesota, and Penn state. So as we complain about the weather, uh, pretty much on a, a weekly basis, this kid is not going South. He's not going tropical, um, unless you consider state college tropical compared to those places. Um, but yeah, Penn state's, uh, I think they got a, a puncher's chance here, an outside shot. Um, obviously him being from Washington, being committed to Washington for a while, the offensive line coach being retained. There's so much going the Huskies way right now, um, but he's willing to give Penn state a shot. And at this point in the, in the cycle, that's pretty much what you, what you got to ask for. Phil Troutline flew out to see him this week. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're doing what they can get them on campus. Anything can happen. I have a tough time seeing, you know, this one coming to fruition because of all the circumstances and the logical points that would point him in uh, Washington's direction. But I mean, it's, it's the weekend before signing day. We've seen crazier things happen. That's that's what I'm wondering. I mean, like this Penn State staff has what six days, along with everybody else in the FBS, to kind of assess where they are at from a number standpoint. Um, is there a player that they've been keeping tabs on and have not offered that they maybe could feel like they could swing late in the process? Kind of one of those eleventh hour offers early next week. Someone they've been keeping on the back burner and saying, you know, if we have a spot, you can jump and take it. Um, there's, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of dialogue happening, but there's limited spots and there's limited opportunities. But this tells you. Uh, there are some some fishing rods out there right now uh, coming down toward the stretch. And, and this has not been an active signing signing day for Penn State really since that early signing period came into fruition. I think it was 2018, the first year that, that class and Rashid Walker was the only 
player in that group who ended up signing in February. It's been pretty consistent. I know a few years ago, uh, Daquan Hardy jumped on board late. He's turned out to be a heck of a player for them on the defensive secondary. Uh, but, but Sean, this is one where you've got to crunch the numbers, and, and that's a tricky thing to do right now. Um, but we saw the roster update. We saw some of these veteran departures from the roster. We haven't seen the transfer uh, movement that maybe we expected. And so kind of let's see. Let's see what happens between now and next Wednesday um, and, and what actual is, is – I mean, when you don't get a visit, though, I mean, how key is that? You, know, you get this kid for an official visit. We don't – as of right now, you're not reporting any other visits, and I, and I guess that's a thing where that, that's a tough sell if you haven't had yeah. the kid on campus for, for a personal opportunity, no matter how much you've tried to kind of keep him interested with dialogue virtually – to me, it's a tough sell if him, mom and dad, whoever else, haven't actually been in your facility. Well, you, you used to be able to keep these guys on the – or keep some guys on the hook. You remember Corey Bolds, the defensive tackle from North Jersey. Just keep them keep interested, keep them on the hook, keep them on the line. It's, in fact, you know, they called him up the morning of signing day and said, hey, we have a spot for you. With the transfer portal, that's kind of gone away because you can – try and grab a guy that you maybe take a chance on that you evaluated early and maybe didn't think he was up to snuff, but you'll take a shot. Now you can do that with a guy that's been in a weight program for a couple of years. That's a transfer. So those numbers are going to be intertwined. Uh, you know, you saw the, the, the movement by the NCAA to give, you know, schools a little bit more flexibility with taking transfers. Um, so I think that that's the way that you go. Can you help your team now? Or do you take a chance on a guy that is going to be, you know, a three or four year project? And I think I, I don't, know that there's a you know a, a great argument for taking a guy that that you don't think can contribute because the way that things happen now that guy's going to be out of the program in two or three years anyway so i mean that that that's kind of where the way you have to look at it ioni is a high three-star prospect he was a washington commit and he's a power five offensive line commit penn state needs help on the offensive line um you know the, we we talk all the time about the the premium uh, position there at offensive tackle but if you got a guy that you think can play at this level and you got a shot at him or you think you have a shot at him like they, they like they think they have a shot with Ioni, you take a chance i mean they just offered a couple of weeks ago i think it was january 13th when they came through with an offer for Ioni. so um this is one where best whatever out there is available and they're going to take their shot and and you know, on the flip side you're not making this trip uh you know just for fun i mean he's not traveling to a this is he's not going to miami the weekend before uh signing day just to just to have a good time this is a kid that seems to be genuinely i don't want to say torn because there's there's so many things pulling him to washington but you know not all of him he's not completely sold on that being his his best uh you know opportunity for the future uh visited minnesota back in december of course was at washington last weekend uh, had a ucla visit potentially coming this weekend but he decided to go to penn state instead so i mean there's there's things pulling penn state you know pulling for penn state's favor this is going to take a lot i think for for them to get over that hump in terms of the 2023 class, major presence on campus this weekend, um, third consecutive weekend, commits coming. You've got some some perceived class leaders that, that can help the coaching staff on campus this weekend. But, you know, some blue chip talent, uh, especially at the top of that list that you've put together for our VIP subscribers at Lions 24-7. And a really opportunity to, to close out January strong. Maybe you set yourself up for some spring commitments. And, of course, that official visit window, which opens up in a big way in April. And uh, you know, that that's huge. Yeah, and before you get to the junior day, that which is on Saturday, and by the way, this is all weather dependent. Uh, I haven't looked at the latest models, but this might affect some guys in Jersey and you know the eastern side, you know, to go closer to the coast. Um, but before you get there, Jason Moore, uh, defensive talented defensive lineman from Dematha, is going to be up on Friday for an, uh, for an unofficial visit. And these are twenty three kids, so I don't even know why I'm clarifying unofficial. These are all unofficial visits. But getting Jason Moore on campus, Notre Dame's prevalent in that. I believe Ohio State just offered as well. Um, he's going to have a lot of guys coming after him but that's so uh, three or four visits from from jason moore so getting him up anytime that you can kj winston who just came from that school last time you've got a couple of underclassmen uh from dematha that are going to visit as well so uh you want to you know try and assert yourself as a as a real player in that one um and then nicholas harbor man i i don't know I don't know if he's going to play football, but this kid, if, you, if you're watching our Twitter, uh, just astounded by this kid. 6'5", 225, running a 20.79, uh, 200 on an indoor track. Do you know how hard it is somebody that size to run that on an indoor track oh, with two turns? 
unbelievable physical talent. Um, and, you know, he's got some ties to Penn State. His sister uh, went here or goes here. I can't remember if she's still a student. Um, but uh, he, his position is whatever the hell he wants to play. He's 6'5", 225. <laughs> is he an edge rusher? He could be a first-round edge rusher. Is he a tight end wide receiver? Sure, whatever. You know, bring him in as that. Um, you, you don't care. Um, this guy is going to have everybody after him, including the U.S. Olympic team, and we're going to see which direction that goes. Um, but one of my favorite prospects, I, I think we have him, uh, where do we have him in the composite? He's number 29 nationally, so he's a five-star. We have him at number 20 nationally um, as an athlete. I, I, I'm just, and I've been telling Doan this for a while, make him a five-star. I mean, this kid's obviously a five-star athlete. So if he ends up in the Olympics a couple of years from now, Somebody's going to cite 24-7 Sports Save as a, a five-star prospect at some point. It's a win-win from a brand situation. But Nicholas Harbour, man, if, if you haven't seen that video, check it out because he is just a, an absolute monster, and he can play football. That's the craziest mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, you know, you weren't sure, um, you know, back when we were doing 2023 rankings, you weren't sure if he was a great football player. But uh, this kid, whatever he does, um, he's going to have a leg up because he's so athletic, he's so fast, and uh, an unbelievable talent in a couple of sports, and and he's been great to deal with. So. It's been cool to uh, to go through that process watching Nicholas Harbor since he was a freshman. I'm going to have to put that video of uh, Harbor on the track uh, underneath this podcast up on the site because people are going to want to see that now. And I, and I went to his Twitter page, and here's what has followed that, that video that he posted. An offer from Arkansas, an offer from Clemson, an offer from Alabama, and a commitment to the Under Armour All-America Bowl. So it's it's been a pretty good week for Mr. Harbor. Um, you know, videos like that, they go viral. People take notice and offers show up. It, it, it doesn't happen by accident. Yeah, it doesn't. And and that's another thing. When you when you view this recruitment, I mean, the Southern schools are going to have an advantage. You're going to look at programs that are, you know, SEC or Big 12 track programs that, uh, you know, certainly have the pedigree of putting, you know, Olympic or athletes in the Olympics. You remember Grant Holloway was a, a receiver, a receiving prospect out of Virginia a couple of years ago. He went to Florida just to run track. And now I believe he was an Olympic champion, world record holder. So um, the, the path is there. Um, you can debate all you want about how much money you can make in both sports, but uh, this guy's got an opportunity ahead of him. That's just, uh, this is pretty incredible. And, and, and we haven't seen many um, freaks of nature, you know, you know, I don't think that's a derogatory term at all. Freaks of nature come through like Nicholas Harbor. He's just amazing. Nicholas Harbor among the headliners, arguably the headliner. If you hear what Sean just said about him uh, heading to campus in the next few days here at Penn state, follow the coverage uh, as VIP subscribers at lines, 247com Of course, after these guys leave campus, you'll hear feedback from them uh, and see how Penn state was able to impact things. And Sean, this is a big one because uh, you know, you, you've had this open period. You, you come back from Tampa. Uh, you're, you're trying to kind of go through that transition period where your roster's getting blown up in, in different ways. And then you're bringing in the early enrollees and, you got to really hit the recruiting trail so hard in January to give yourself a leg up for the rest of the way and set yourself up for a really important stretch of the, of the 2023 cycle. How do you think Penn State has fared over the course of this month? I think they've done a good job, and, and they haven't been wiped out by weather, which is always a worry when you're in central Pennsylvania in January. But, uh, you know, hopefully they can get through this weekend and get guys on campus. Uh, you you give them, an as we mentioned, a first impression coming out of that winter break, and you also give them a lasting impression because – February is a dead period after, uh, you know, after signing day, you're not going to host visitors back until spring, uh, you know, probably the first week of March, I think it is. Um, so you've got an opportunity to leave a lasting impression. You're bringing guys in, you know, familiar names for those that have followed Penn State recruiting. Sadir Mitchell, uh, the big, big defensive tackle uh, from Bergen Catholic is going to be in. Antonio Cotman, uh, defensive back. I I kind of see him maybe growing into a linebacker eventually. He's Ellis Brooks's cousin, um, who uh, you know is going to come up for a visit with with his teammate Josh Miller, who's already committed to, to Penn State. Uh, one of my favorite prospects in this region in this class, Tony Rojas, uh, six two plus two hundred and some pounds. He's a running back and linebacker. He's going to play linebacker at the next level, but just a really really good football player. One of my favorites, and uh, you know just watching the film and things like that. So really talented group. I'm looking at a dozen of these kids that have offers from Penn state and um, you know, uh, you know, you got underclassmen talent as well. One guy that I know is, is it's always interesting to, to, to listeners in Pennsylvania, London Montgomery, the running back from Scranton prep will be on campus this weekend. He started to get those offers uh, piling up Michigan state, uh, Arizona state, Boston college, a few other ones. Penn State's going to take a look here. And uh, you know, you, you, you um, wonder, 
how he fits into the board at a position that they've, you know, recruited at the top, you know, from a rankings prospect or from a rankings perspective, they've recruited running back exceedingly well is London Montgomery. Who's probably, I think we'll have him rated as a, as a high three-star prospect at some point. Does he fit in there? He's also got a 10, I think a 10, nine, nine or a 10, eight, nine, 100 meter dash. So speed seems to be legit. Um, is he a guy that you could, uh, as we fall into these uh, these categories where we where we lump these guys in together, is he a Journey Brown type guy that maybe is a little bit overlooked? And I know this is far far ahead of where Journey Brown was in his recruitment, but is he that guy from Pennsylvania that can you know potentially maybe not be the the top two hundred or the top one hundred guy, but still really uh, productive player? So we'll, we'll see what happens with London Montgomery. He's been great to deal with so far. So uh, we'll see what Jaywan Sider you know when he gets him on campus thinks of him as a, in as as a relative prospect compared to the other running backs that he's recruiting in 2023. Five-star mailbag time. And that brings us right back to another 2023 prospect in the state of Pennsylvania. Here is the question. What is the status of offensive tackle uh, Javen Williams, the top in-state prospect at a coveted position? Is there genuine interest in Penn State? And where does his recruitment stand? And this one's well-timed for us because he just put out a favorites list. Yeah, he put out a top seven uh, last week. Penn State, no surprise that, that, that Penn State's on that. Uh, Brian Dome followed up with him the other day after he put that out there. Penn State right in the thick of things. I I call them the leader. You know, I, I don't think it's I don't think this kid's ready to make a decision or anything like that. But Penn State, Michigan, Rutgers, Michigan State, Pittsburgh, Ole Miss and Illinois are in that group that he put out uh, last. Uh, I believe it was Saturday um, that he put that out. But uh, yeah, I like like where Penn State's at right now, they've they've made him a priority. He's a guy that's, you know, 6'4", 290 pounds. He's been on campus uh, three or four times. I believe December he came up on his own for an unofficial visit. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think I, – I think when you brought this question up, you, you said it was worded a little bit differently. Somebody maybe overlooked Penn State in this top seven, wondering why they weren't in the mix, but I think they're firmly in the mix. Uh, James Franklin's been by there with the chopper. He played in the state title game. Penn State had coaches there. Um, so Penn State's been all over him um, since he kind of blew up uh, either late last – I think it was late last summer. Um, but, yeah, James, James Franklin, Phil Troutwine have been have been on that. I think Penn State does probably, you know, has has an has an edge at this point. And that's going to be one where I think he wants to see more schools before he makes a decision. Oregon offered this week since that list came out. Um, maybe some other offers come through to, to shake up his thought process. But Big Ten heavy right now. Um, and as Sean made very clear there, um, yeah, the, the Penn State's in the thick of this. The question was worded kind of. Uh, aggressively that maybe Penn State wasn't uh, as involved as they should be in this recruitment. That is not the case. And this is a top 100 prospect in the 2023 cycle as of now. Um, five-star mailbag, you know where to find us. Apple Podcasts, drop your five-star rating and review along with your question on Penn State football, Penn State recruiting, what have you. We'll get to it here on the show eventually. Um, Sean, covered a lot of territory this time around. We'll be back next uh, week to bring in February. Um, we'll recap what happened over the course of the weekend. We've got the final signing day that used to be the signing day to look ahead to. We'll see if anything is kind of uh, looming for Penn State there, some things to figure out between now and then. On behalf of our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Tyler Donahue. He's Sean Fitz, and this is the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.